Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. The Tory party is eating itself. Both the government and parliament have lost legitimacy. Profound changes in British politics are on the order of the day. The vote to leave the capitalist EU could finally ruin the main party of British capitalism and austerity. The opportunities are huge, yet the Blairites, Liberals and others are sabotaging them. The tasks facing the workers' movement are urgent. How can Jeremy Corbyn and the trade union leaders navigate the Brexit crisis and deliver the killer blow to this foundering bosses' government? Thanks very much for that introduction. Well, clearly events are moving extremely quickly. So we're here today with Hannah Sell, Deputy General Secretary of the Socialist Party, to give us the latest on this government crisis and what the main tasks for the workers' movement to find a way out of it for working class, middle class and young people are. Hello, Hannah. Hi. And what a week. Absolutely. It's incredible. And it is something that we in the Socialist Party have pointed out has been on the cards for a long time. Mm. The Tory party was probably the most successful capitalist party on the planet. Mm. And that was because it kept its differences behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and then acted in a unified way in the interests of the capitalist class. For years now, its social base has been undermined. Mm -hmm. The splits in it have been becoming clearer and clearer. And it has been clear that it is going to shatter. But now, I mean, it's happening. In front of our eyes, the Tory party is falling apart. Of course, we can't say exactly what will come out of it, but the Tory party in its current form, or its past form rather, is not going to exist at the end of this crisis. So this is an unprecedented crisis, really, of the government and even of the Westminster system. Is this the end of the Tories? Well, look, in two days... Johnson became the first Prime Minister since 1894 to lose his first parliamentary vote. (laughs) He managed to go from having a majority of one, which was not really a strong position, to having minus 43 as his majority, sacking 21 rebels. Mm -hmm. And they weren't just any old rebels. You know, Ken Clark, the longest serving Tory MP, the longest serving MP, Mm -hmm. the grandson of Winston Churchill, Mm -hmm. Tory grandees that have been ejected... The Tory party in its current form, yes, is it's shattering. It's not going to exist anymore in the way that it did in the past. Even his little brother's left the government now, hasn't he? That's right, yes. And of course, for millions of working and middle class people who have suffered austerity under the last... This Tory government's hardly begun, but the last Tory government, mm-hmm. the Condemn Coalition, years of Tory austerity, mm-hmm. this is a reason to cheer. seeing this capitalist party eat itself. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I don't think that is the mood of many working class people in the country at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And that's because while there's clearly a huge crisis for the capitalist class, they no longer have a reliable party of government that they can rely on to act in their interests. The capitalists. The capitalists, yeah. So they've got a crisis... But there's also still a crisis for us, a Mm. crisis for the working class, because we don't have a clear political voice. I would say that most people who have tried to follow the incredible machinations this week in Parliament would not have heard anybody clearly speaking for them. Sure. 
And there are even some that have illusions that the Tory Toff, the Bullingdon Club backer of billionaires, Johnson, is standing up for them, for the rights of the people, mm. against Parliament. Now, of course, that's nonsense. Sure. But the only way you can cut across that kind of right-wing populist rhetoric is by putting a clear programme in the interests of the working class. And that's not been heard enough this week in Parliament. OK, so when we're saying that only a clear pro-worker programme with socialist measures, when we're saying that's the only way to defeat the Tories, why are we saying that? Well, why did people vote for Brexit, working class people, mm -hmm. in the EU referendum back in 2016? It was a reflection of an enormous accumulated anger against the capitalist establishment. Mm. A cry of rage. An FU vote. It was, yeah. And they were, they were right to be angry. Sure. Right against the institutions of the EU that implement privatisation, mm -hmm. anti-worker policies, but also against the Tory government, against the reality of what they faced in their everyday lives. So mm -hmm. people are angry and they want an alternative that is in their interests and actually, even though, in our view, Jeremy Corbyn made a mistake in 2016 because he was a reluctant Remainer, mm. instead of harnessing that anger against the establishment in a socialist and left direction by arguing in favour of a vote for Brexit, but a socialist, internationalist, pro-working class Brexit, mm. despite making that mistake, when it came to the 2017 snap election, you got an outline of how it was possible to mobilise working class people if they could see an anti-austerity policy being put in their interests. Mm -hmm. Labour gained three and a half million votes, the most votes that any party has gained in one election since 1945. Right. A million people who'd voted for UKIP in the past voted for Labour in that election. Mm. So it showed how by arguing for free education, a £10 an hour minimum wage, mass council house building, nationalisation of the privatised utilities. I mean, it was a modest programme, actually, but it was a break with the neoliberal anti-working class stuff we've had from every party in Parliament for decades. Right. They were able to have an impact. And they can do the same again. We could still see a general election and Labour being elected on a landslide. Mm. That, you know, that can happen in the course of the next couple of months. However, unfortunately, Labour is not a workers' party. As we've described since Jeremy Corbyn's election, it's more like two parties in one. Okay. So there is a potential workers' party that could be formed around Jeremy Corbyn and his anti-austerity policies and the enthusiasm there was for that mm -hmm. when he was elected as Labour leader. But there is also a pro-capitalist Blairite wing of the Labour Party who still dominate the Parliamentary Labour Party. Mm -hmm. They dominate the council chambers up and down the country. And unfortunately, the approach of the left leadership of the Labour Party has been to make concessions to those Blairites instead of launching a campaign to democratise the Labour Party and to remove them. They've hoped to get unity to pacify the pro-capitalist wing of the Labour Party right. by making concessions to them. And the inevitable result of that is a muffling, at best, of Corbyn's anti-austerity policies. Mm -hmm. And on many occasions, workers not hearing them at all. Right, and frankly, yeah. in the parliamentary debate of the last week, it has mainly been the latter, not hearing them at all. And that is really bad. The parliamentary crisis has reached boiling point 
And yet all the weaknesses of the approach taken by the Corbyn wing of the Labour Party are being put into sharp relief. Sure. Because the capitalist class are in a panic. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they're horrified by Johnson's preparedness to risk a chaotic hard Brexit. Which would risk access to markets for them, seriously hit profits. Exactly, yeah. And they're horrified by his willingness to light-mindedly undermine the already undermined <laughs> institutions of British <laughs> capitalism, which they want to have authority. Because they, sure, yeah. you know, a socialist government can come to power and they will really want to be able to use the authority of the courts, the monarchy, parliamentary institutions mm. against that democratically elected socialist government wherever they can. Mm. And Johnson doesn't care about that. He's just disregarding and undermining them. So they're horrified by him. And they may, before Parliament came back, they were making impassioned pleas to pro-capitalist MPs in every party unite together to block Johnson and to act in our interests. The Financial Times had an editorial where they said explicitly, you're risking Corbyn coming to power, you're risking splitting the Tory party, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. You've got to do this. You've got to unite together. And that's what they've done. That's an incredible change of tune from the Financial Times and other mouthpieces of it capitalism. It absolutely is. And it's a sign of desperation that they've said that. But the MPs have responded to that plea. And so we've had what is called the Rebel Alliance, isn't it? <laughs> Who have taken the entirely understandable fears of millions of people about a no-deal Brexit and their fears that it could affect not just the profits of the capitalists, mm. but our jobs, right, which you know, yeah. nobody wants and we have to try and pre uh, prevent. But they've taken those fears and suggested that they're arguing in the national interest to prevent that. And so the two voices you've heard in Parliament have been this supposed national interest on the one hand right. and Johnson on the other. The Galactic Empire. Yeah. So is there such a thing then as a national interest and should Labour be defending that? No, there isn't, and no, they absolutely shouldn't. <laughs> Look, there is no common national interest between political representatives of the capitalist elite and the working class majority in okay. this country. So, you know, when Labour start talking, uh, as many Labour politicians have done, about Johnson being a liar, we can't trust him. Great, say all that, of course that's true. <laughs> But don't then say, unlike Theresa May, mm. which is, I've heard Labour politician after, not, not Corbyn, but Labour after politician after Labour politician get up and say. Which side are they on? No, but that, that's the thing. They're all Tories. They all act in the interests of the pro-capitalist elite. Ken Clark, mm. a man who was in Thatcher's governments throughout her time in power, mm -hmm. was responsible for bringing the market into the NHS and a host of other anti-working class measures. He's now been treated like some kind of national treasure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Liberal Democrats, who propped up the Condemn Coalition, you know, the most vicious pro-austerity government since the Second World War, yeah. And Labour, unfortunately, is fostering the illusion that we have common interest with those people mm. in the course of its approach in the last couple of weeks. It was clear they could prevent any risk of a no-deal Brexit by a simple measure that Corbyn put forward. Mm -hmm. And that was 
have a vote of no confidence, back him in that vote of no confidence, allow him to form a minority government which simply extended Article 50, so put off the Brexit date, mm-hmm. while a general election took place. But they weren't willing to do that because they didn't want to do anything that would increase Corbyn's authority. Sure. And therefore, the pro-capitalist part of the rebel alliance, the pro-capitalist <laughs> majority of the rebel alliance, yeah. have instead chosen to go down a legislative route mm. and, frankly, are prepared to try and do anything to avoid Corbyn being elected. And unfortunately, Corbyn has been sucked into that in the course of the last week or so. Meanwhile, the Tories are staggering. They're on the ropes. They have never been in such a profound crisis. Surely now is the time to go for a general election. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? (laughs) But shockingly, incredibly, that is not an obvious conclusion. But of course, it's not shocking, really. Right. Because this is about the pro-capitalist Remainers who want to stop Johnson's risking a hard Brexit. Mm -hmm. But they also want to stop Jeremy Corbyn coming to power. And so they went down the legislative road this week. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, even that is not enough. We've got to delay a general election further. Mm-hmm. That's what particularly the Blairites, the right of the Labour Party, are saying. Their public argument for this seems to be, first of all, we should give Johnson enough rope to hang himself, which I really think is... It's already swinging, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And then the other is... Well, okay, we're going to get the legislation through to block no deal, Mm. but he's got to go to Europe and ask for it, and that won't happen till the 17th of October, so we've got to wait till after that. The the kind of... I mean, you can't even make it up, because, of course, if they vote for a general election, Johnson's proposing, I think, the 15th of October. Right. Labour should go all out to win it, and then they should say, we'll take charge of the negotiations. For sure, yeah. He was even saying, wasn't he, at one point, we'll make this election about which negotiating team goes to Brussels in October. Well, surely you want your negotiating team to go. Yeah, and they argue that, no, 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 we should wait. Lying behind that are two factors. Okay. With some, it's the idea Labour can't win an election. Okay. Which, in our view, is completely wrong. They could win. They could win decisively, depending on the approach they take. Okay. But the other argument is we've got to stop Corbyn coming to power. He could win a general election. That's the argument from the right. That's the argument from the right. For them, they've got a real problem. The only way out of a general election is some form of national government. You mean like a grand coalition across party lines? Exactly, yes. Which is not something that's happened often in Britain. Mm. And will be very dangerous for them, because think about what that means. That means that the pro-capitalist Remainer parties come together and form an unelected government Mm -hmm. to try and deal with Brexit in a situation where there is enormous anger amongst sections of the working class that their vote in 2016 is being ignored by this capitalist establishment. So that's one danger. The second danger is provided Corbyn stood firm against it, then you would have the right vomited out of the Labour Party to be part of a national government, (laughs) and you'd have a left Labour Party potentially able to take advantage of that anger and to push it in a left-wing direction, and a left Labour Party that had not been tested in power. Mm. Previously, like in 31, when the capitalist class have gone down the road of a national government, they've done it after 
working class people feel that Labour has failed in power. That sure. this is a different situation. So it's, it's a very dangerous road for the capitalist class, that. I would say that means that despite their hesitations, a general election is the most likely outcome from these events. And how should Jeremy Corbyn deal with the Brexit crisis in the case of a general election? Well, this is a big danger in their current approach. They have to make clear that Labour is not the party of Remain. Okay. Historically, Corbyn's made those points, but they're not heard amongst the babble of Blairites saying that they are the party of Remain. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, people like John MacDonald are now echoing that as well. Right. They should say clearly that they will renegotiate Brexit, Mm -hmm. but from a completely different point of view to that of the Tories, who, of course, every wing of the Tory party are looking at the interests of the capitalist class. Mm -hmm. Big business. Yeah. Corbyn should renegotiate a Brexit in the interests of the working class. The EU is a coming together of the capitalist classes across Europe to suit their own interests. Mm -hmm. And it is full of legislation to push through privatisation, to oppose state aid, anti-worker laws. Corbyn's starting point is... Those are my red lines. We're not accepting any of that. We want to negotiate a deal that is in the interests of the working class. Combined, of course, with saying clearly that he would guarantee the rights of all EU residents in Britain Mm -hmm. and that he would make an internationalist appeal to the working class across Europe over the heads of EU governments, saying the things I'm fighting for are the same things that you're suffering on under the EU and calling for international solidarity. If he was to do that, he would be in a far stronger position than any of the Tory negotiators to negotiate with the EU. And he could fight for a deal in the interests of the working class. And on that basis, in our view, would be able to unite both those who voted for Brexit, but also those working class people who supported Remain because of worries about jobs, wanting to be internationalist and other good reasons that people voted Remain. Sure, so he'd be in a different position to the Tories because he could actually call on workers in other countries to be the hot breath on the back of the necks of their own capitalist governments, Absolutely. which the Tories are terrified to yeah. do, because that's completely against profit They're interest. They're never going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So should this question of how to deal with the European Union be the focus of his election campaign? Look, it's vital in this election campaign that he takes a correct position on this issue, so it's not a secondary matter. Okay, But absolutely, it should not be the only focus. Mm -hmm. In the end, the illusion has been created by these events that the divide in British society is between Brexiteers and Remainers. And Mm -hmm. that is not the divide in British society. might appear like that on the surface at the moment, but the divide in British society is between the capitalist elite, the 0.1%, and the rest of us. The working and middle class who are suffering, low pay, Zero-hour contracts. Housing crisis. Terrible housing crisis. We all know the issues that we're suffering. Sure. And the central issues he's got to do is put a programme on those issues, as he did in the last election, but going further. So mass council house building, free education, £10 an hour minimum wage. We would also say it's vital that he raises demands addressed to those companies who are saying they're going to make big redundancies pull out of Britain, Mm -hmm. sometimes using Brexit as an excuse, sometimes not, but regardless of the reasons, he should say, open the books to your workers, to the workforce, let them examine whether you've really got the profits or not. Mm. And wherever necessary, step in and nationalise in order to guarantee those jobs and to develop, in many cases, 
socially useful products that those plants are producing. So, for example, with the car industry, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily keep producing more petrol engines, no. but you shouldn't lose the jobs. You should keep the plants open and you should find work that's socially useful for those car plants to do. Which, of course, are measures which the EU is barring. Absolutely. And you should make that clear. So the things are linked together, but you should raise those kind of demands. We would also say that it's necessary to go further in terms of clear socialist measures. What does that mean? Well, look, we've got a little glimpse of the lengths that the capitalist class will go to to prevent a Jeremy Corbyn-led government, (laughs) even though his programme is modest. You know, frankly, on paper, it's less radical than right-wing Labour leaders like Neil Kinnock in the 1980s when I first got involved in politics. It's quite a modest programme. But after decades of austerity... They understand that that programme could awake the appetites of working class people and they could demand more. Mm. So they're desperate to stop a Corbyn-led government coming to power. Once it's in power, they will do everything possible to sabotage it. That will mean using the pro-capitalist wing of the Labour Party. So that's one problem that's got to be dealt with. Mm. But it will also mean all the other measures of economic sabotage that they would try and take. Like we've seen in Venezuela. Absolutely like we've seen in Venezuela, like we saw in Greece. Mm. And therefore... The question of nationalisation of not every company, but the major corporations and banks under democratic working class control that dominate about 80% of the economy. That's the only way to decisively break the power of the capitalist class, stop them carrying out economic sabotage and be able to begin to implement a programme that's really for the many and not the few. Of course as Venezuela certainly showed. It showed many things. I don't want to get into Venezuela. No, okay. You can't do that in one country. Sure. But Jeremy Corbyn could make a good start, mm. backed up by working-class people in Britain, and there will be huge enthusiasm for that kind of policy when people saw what it meant in terms of their jobs, their homes, their pensions, their education, mm. and that would then spread like wildfire around the rest of Europe, but also the rest of the world. So when you say backed up by working-class people, you're talking about trading in action in defence of these things... Now, the TEC is about to meet for its annual conference, isn't that right? What are the tasks which the TEC should be putting to trade unionists, the six million trade unionists in this country? I mean, look, this is urgent. In this febrile political situation, it's very difficult to work out exactly what's going to happen. Sure. But the tasks of the workers' movement are absolutely crystal clear. Mm -hmm. Like I said at the beginning, at this point, no clear working-class voice is being heard, either in Parliament or outside Parliament. That urgently has to change. That's the battle to demand a general election, Mm -hmm. to get the Tories out and to get Corbyn in on a socialist programme, combining that with democratising the Labour Party to be able to democratically remove the pro-capitalist elements of the Labour Party. And the TUC shouldn't just be passing policy, they Mm. should be organising action as a first step, naming the day for a mass demonstration to be followed, if necessary, by strike action. But if they were to do that and to mobilise for it seriously around a programme in the interests of the working class majority, then it would get enormous support and would change the political situation. Thanks very much, Hannah. No problem. Hi, I'm Scott Jones. I'm here with Ian Patson. We're both members of the Socialist editorial team. And we're here, as every week, to discuss some of the big news stories, campaigns, trade union issues going on at the moment. So what have you got for this week, Ian? Boris Johnson has promised extra money and pay rises for teachers. Has he really? 
you're, you're right to question it. Nikki Downs, a member of the National Education Union's Executive Committee, she's been writing in The Socialist this week in a personal capacity, and she's really exposed that this is just electioneering by Boris Johnson. It wasn't even included in his spending announcements because alongside this supposed extra money, Boris is going to be cutting teaching assistance. There's no money in the budgets for the supposed pay rises. He's expanding academy privatisation and a thought of more areas for privatisation in schools as well. And he's given teachers supposed extra powers, which according to the teaching unions, isn't going to do anything to deal with pupil behaviour. We say that the NEU, the National Education Union and the other education unions, like they did in the last general election, when a general election is called, they have to make education key issue. Right, OK. What else have you got for us? As we know, the climate strikes are coming up on the 20th of September. Lots of unions around the country are doing things to make sure the climate strikes are a big success. In Cardiff, the Trade Union Council has backed trade union meetings and stoppages on the day. Good. And they promised to organise a rally for everybody to come to. So it can be a big event for the climate strikes. In Southampton, they're doing something similar, and the Lecturers' Union is organising a lunchtime rally. Now, in Waltham Forest, the trade unions have asked the Blairite Council to allow workers to take the day off work, to take part in the protests. Good. And have they responded yet? They haven't got back to the trade unions yet. We think they absolutely should. They've called a climate emergency. Let's put you know words into action and allow workers to take part in the protests. We're a little bit sceptical if they're going to do that, because this is the same council that at the same time as calling a climate emergency is cutting down 81 trees and getting rid of public space in Waltham Forest. And what else have Socialist Party members been up to this week? Well, this summer, at the moment, it's the Pride season, defending, celebrating LGBT plus rights. In Southampton, the Pride event was started by the Trade Union Council four years ago. It's become a huge celebration. But when the Socialist Party was there recently, we met a lot of people that wanted the event to be more political. Obviously, LGBT plus people at the forefront of suffering the Tory cuts from the housing crisis with homelessness, as well as facing discrimination and harassment. A lot of that was unfortunately missing from this year's Pride in Southampton. Despite being set up by the trade unions, it's become the big businesses that sponsor the event are central, but trade unions that actually stand up for LGBT plus rights are sidelined. And it's September, the football season's back in full swing, but for one club, sadly, it's over already, isn't it? Exactly. Berry Football Club have been expelled from the Football League, which is absolutely scandalous. Even more scandalous, their previous owner has said that their players are lucky to get half their wages as a loan from their union. Terrible. And that he'd never even heard of the football club before taking it over. Just more examples that we need to reclaim the game and kick big business out of football. Working class fans that love football know that it becomes very difficult to afford the tickets or the TV packages to see your team. It's harder to play football. 700 grassroots pitches have closed since the beginning of the economic crisis. We want something different. That's why we say the club shouldn't be owned by the charlatans like Ruin Bury Football Club. The club should be owned and democratically run by supporters Unions representing the players and other workers in football and the local community. Starting this weekend is the Trade Union Congress, which is the body that organises all the trade unions in Britain. The annual meeting of that body is starting in Brighton on Sunday and it couldn't be taking place at a more crucial or important time. 
At that Congress, there would be a rally by the National Shop Stewards Network, which is a rank-and-file body of militant trade unionists supported by some of the national trade unions. And we're saying that the Labour and trade union movement must put a stamp on these events, expose the pro-boss and big business agenda of Boris Johnson. You know, workers who voted to leave the EU did so precisely because they wanted to send a message of protest against decades of governments carrying out the boss's austerity and privatisation agenda, which Boris Johnson and the Tories represent. And the most crucial thing is to get them out of power, to kick them out of government. And one of the things that we're calling for on Sunday at the rally is for the TUC and the unions to name a date for a union-led mass demonstration to bring this government down, end austerity and, of course, elect a Corbyn-led government with socialist policies. You know, we want to say to everyone listen to this, come to the rally, march together and, of course, strike if necessary to get rid of all the Tories as well as linking all the disputes taking place in retail, where Wilco's workers are about to take action, as the workers have been protesting, the members of the UCU who are balloting over pensions, civil servants who are taking strike action in the PCS union up and down the country. And leaders of some of these unions are going to be speaking at the event, such as Len McCluskey, the Unite General Secretary, and Amy Murphy as the president and Socialist Party member, as well as workers involved in these disputes and struggles. It's on Sunday, the 8th of September, 1pm at the Holiday Inn, Kings Road, Brighton, and see shopstews.net for more. Sounds like a really important event. We're both going to be there. Hope to see you there too. If you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for, we need you. Join our fight for a winning strategy in the Labour and Trade Union movement. Join the Socialist Party now. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Socialism the podcast has no wealthy backers. We survive thanks to the financial support of ordinary working class and young people. And we're proud of the political independence that gives us. If you like what you hear, help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. We also want you to send us recordings from picket lines and campaigns and reports of your activity. And we want your questions, comments and ideas for future episodes. Email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk Help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out. Don't forget to recommend us to your co-workers and friends. Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party. This week we heard from Hannah Sell speaking to James Ivans, along with Ian Patterson and Scott Jones and me, Isay Priya. Till next time, solidarity.